Several of you have asked if we are finished with our moving, and for the most part, we are. Uh, moving is a process and in some ways never ends, but we are almost there. Moving is never easy, but this has been one of the more manageable moves that Nell and I have ever made. The most harrowing move we ever made was many years ago when I was a seminary student and became the pastor of a country church that had a parsonage. The leaders of that church assured me that they would take care of moving us the 40 miles to their community, which meant that they would do it themselves. And so on the appointed day, they showed up. Three men and three trucks. Two half-ton pickups and a one-ton flatbed with wooden cattle bodies. And those cattle, I, I don't know how to say this delicately, but those cattle bodies still contained the residual evidence of their having contained anxious cattle. <laughs> Nell was very concerned that our mattress might end up in that spot on that church, or on that truck. But it was the washing machine that ended up there. In those days, we had a vinyl-covered couch that we had inherited, and it was the kind of couch where the back would recline and it would flatten into a very uncomfortable sleeping surface. Now this feature of the couch meant that the vinyl on the back of the couch was very loosely attached so that when the truck on which the couch was loaded sped down the expressway, the vinyl began to flap. Not gently, but violently. The sight of it gave the impression that the sofa was somehow alive and suffering a veritable frenzy of plastic paisley coming apart at the seams. Now that was unnerving, but the most menacing sight was this big thunderhead that was boiling up over the northern horizon. And as we followed those three men and those three trucks, we worried, we worried that our caravan might not outrun that storm. And then, all of a sudden, without warning, we stopped. The guys decided to pull over to a local joint and eat fried fish. I love church people, <laughs> especially the kind of church people who will volunteer to move things like washing machines and, and sofas. Fried fish is one of my favorites, but I must confess that in that moment I had little taste for either. It was a vexing journey, but nothing 
compared to those undertaken every day by those who are fleeing violence and poverty and oppression. Those flights occur 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A part of being moved in is being able to find the things that you moved. And I have in my files somewhere, though I could not find it this week, I have in my files a letter that a friend gave me, a copy of a letter that a friend gave me. And the letter was to my friend's father. And the letter was from the father of Helmut Tilaka. And it was written just after World War II. And it was the first correspondence between these two old friends. My father's, my friend's father had been a pastor in Germany before the war, but had come to the United States. And the letter tells of the plight of the Tilica family as they fled the incendiary bombing of their city. The elder Tilikon describes how the very air was combustible when those bombs fell, and how they lay in graves as low and as still as possible to avoid any friction that might ignite the volatile atmosphere. He describes how they drove around burning corpses as they fled. That man's son, Helmut Tilica, was a German pastor and a theologian. He had participated in the confessing church which had defied Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. So in those days, his very presence in his homeland was fraught with peril. But Helmut Tilika was there, nonetheless. He was there because being present was the best way, the only way, that he could bear witness to the incarnation in Jesus Christ. In his prologue to the Gospel of John, John tells us that the Word of God, the mind of God, the essence of God, the eternal being of God, the creative energy of God, the outwardness of God became flesh and lived among us. It is a mystery, of course. It is John's way of saying that God does not remain distant. God doesn't just commune with us through some indirect, impersonal ways. We do not have to work our way up to God. God comes to us. God becomes one with us. John writes these wonderful words as a prologue. 
And Sheila did such a marvelous job this morning in the early service describing the significance of prologue. John uses these words as a kind of prequel, as an explanatory background, an upfront elucidation of the stories of Jesus that will follow. Having lived and been there for the experiences upon which those narratives are based, John has come to the conclusion that this is what they mean, that God has become one with us. We affirm our confidence in the Word made flesh as we say the creeds on Sunday morning. And today we elaborated on that a bit as we joined in the Nicene Creed. Today we confess that Jesus is the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven and by the power of the Holy Spirit was incarnate from the Virgin Mary and became truly human. The theologians who wrote the Nicene Creed struggled long and hard to get that language just right. Indeed, there was great controversy around exactly what they should say. And so those words are very precise. And yet, as precise as they are, they strain to communicate the reality they represent. And ultimately, those words fall short of that reality. After the war, Helmut Tielicke produced a commentary on the creed. In writing on the section about Jesus Christ, Tielicke said that the words of the creed function like a mathematical formula. They offer a concise way to conceptualize a much larger reality. An analogy would be that of an engineer or an architect who is able to express in so many numbers and signs and symbols how a great machine can be built and how it will operate. But having the formula is not the same as seeing the machine in operation. It's not the same as as operating that machine or benefiting or suffering from the results of the work of that machine. In like manner, we confess the creed's wonderful words about God's incarnation in Christ, but that is not the same as knowing Christ. Our words cannot capture, do not capture the wonder, the beauty, the greatness of God's gracious presence in Jesus Christ. And Helmut Tielicke said that we do not start with confidence in the creed and thereby come to Christ. Rather, we start with Christ and thereby come to confidence in the creed. We begin with the experience of knowing Jesus. 
And even before that, we begin with the experience of being known by Jesus. It is His presence that finally convinces us that He is the unknowable God made known in the very human ways that matter most to us human beings. Jesus is present with us in the ineffable mystery of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is present with us in Scripture. Jesus is present with us in the sacraments of the church. And Jesus is present with us in His body, the church. Indeed, it is here that most of us first encounter Christ. Jesus is present with us in the person of some sister or brother who loves us, who delights in us, who believes in us, who encourages us, who holds us accountable. Think about your very first awareness of Jesus. From where did you receive that? I suspect that for most of us, it was in the church. I remember the very first vacation Bible school I ever attended. It was at Hopewell Methodist Church. I attended at the invitation of a neighbor. And I remember grape Kool-Aid and butter cookies And I think when we get to heaven, that's what we're going to eat. And I remember being given a memory verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I remember the the woman who helped my mother clean house. I remember her helping me learn that memory verse for vacation Bible school. We encounter Christ in the church. The Christ in others awakens us to an awareness of Christ's presence with us. And that is why Helmut Tielicke showed up and stayed put in a war-torn land. If he was to know Christ, he would know Christ through those to whom God had given him. If he was to show Christ to a war-weary and desperate people, he had to be present with them. When I think of his witness and that of so many others, I am almost ashamed to say this. Nevertheless, I must say this. Being present is the reason we are here. And Sheila this morning did a wonderful job distinguishing the difference between simply being here and really being present.
that we have come, Woods, Sheila, and I have come with our families here to join you in being the body of Christ, in bearing witness to the presence of Christ in one another and to the community. And so for a moment on Sunday morning, we stand and we recite those wonderful words of the creed, but then for the rest of the week, we live into that larger reality of knowing Christ and being with Christ in in communion with the Holy Spirit. You receive this morning a little booklet that contains a list and a description of the compassionate ministries of our church. These ministries are, to a lesser extent, but to a very real ex- in a very real sense, incarnational. These are examples of Christians bearing witness to Christ's presence. Those who volunteer for these ministries. are Christ's presence to those with whom they share those ministries. And if you had time to hear from them, I'm sure they would say that those whom they go to help bear witness of Christ to them. And so the relationship is reciprocal. We bear witness to Christ to one another. These are excellent opportunities, and I would encourage you to Read about them, learn about them, volunteer for them, continue to make your offerings so that they may be supported. These are great programs. We have many other great programs, but not everything we do is a program in the church. Many times our bearing witness to Christ happens in the routine course of our lives as we relate to family, to friends, to colleagues, even to strangers. You see, the ministry of Christ's presence happens whenever we take time to stop and appreciate the person who is standing before us. It happens whenever we pray silently, Lord, let me see in them in some small way what you see in them. Lord, let me in some way love them as you love them. Lord, let me in some way serve them as you serve them. And that is the presence of Christ, and that is the ministry of presence. I think again of those three men and the fried fish with which, which they ate with such leisure on that day long ago. The Lord has long ago forgiven me because I can tell you that in that moment I looked at them with everything but the eyes of Jesus. I still don't know whether they, we were just lucky or whether they knew more about the weather in those parts than I knew, but whatever the case, the storm passed well to our north. We arrived in our new home nerves and sofa a bit frayed, but otherwise safe, sound, and dry. And one of them, Kenny Darnell, 
is a dear friend to this day. We spent time with them last fall. And that friendship with him and with the others there in that community happened because we spent enough time with one another that we began to recognize Christ in one another. And there we were. Sisters and brothers, I look forward to being present with you. There's nowhere else I need to go. And so let us pledge to one another that amid the busyness of our lives, we will take time to be present with one another. And that as we have opportunity to greet people and meet people who are unknown to us, that we will take time to appreciate them. One one of the things that Nell and I have discovered about Mobile is how friendly people are. Even in the stores, the, the clerks, the cashiers, the people who work there. Uh, Sheila had a wonderful story this morning about the furniture salesman who uh, uh, charmed her into buying some furniture, but uh, uh, it really was a Jesus encounter. Let's be present with our neighbors. Let's be present with those with whom we work, our family, our friends, and even strangers. And if today you are looking for a place to belong, I've only been here two weeks, but I think I can say with confidence, this is a good place to belong. And I would love to talk with you about that possibility. Sheila, Woods, any one of the three of us, Kathy, any of us. And so if you are here today and you are looking for a church home, we would love to be that home for you. And so we give thanks. And we give ourselves to Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.